This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. I'm back. Welcome to the MMA Takes Podcast. Man, it feels like, well, it feels like it's been about two weeks because it has been about two weeks. Let me tell you something. A little sick. A little sick. The old boy's been a little sick. I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm the mend. Feeling a lot better. We'll get into that. Got a big show. Wanted to put this out this week. Wanted to talk to you guys. We got UFC Nashville. We'll, we'll break down that card on this show. A lot of things happening. I mean, I, I've literally been out of the game for a little bit, almost two weeks. So we got to talk about some stuff. There's some shit that happened. Conor McGregor got rested. Darren Till got knocked out. You know, there's things that we need to we need to process. Two UFC UFC shows happen that we haven't talked about yet. We'll go over those. But um, if you follow me on social media, you know that I, I posted that I had a little bit of pneumonia late last week. Um, well, two weeks ago, I recorded the show and I, I talked about a little frog in my throat or something like that. Complained about something. And then that cough turned worse. So late last week or early last week, I should say, I was on vacation from work. Cough, which is, I mean, cough, I was coughing every five seconds. And I'm just like, man, what's going on? Couldn't really sleep that much. Um, fell asleep, woke up super early, hacked up a bunch of just filth from my my throat. It was like phlegm and shit like that, which happens when, you you know, I'm just sitting there thinking, I got a cold. I got, you know, I got sinuses. I got a sinus problem. Yeah, that's all it is. But after I hacked some shit, shit up, I was, it was a lot. And then I, I kept spitting. As I was spitting to clean my mouth, there was some blood in it. And I go, oh boy, okay. I haven't seen a doctor yet. Should probably go to the hospital though, because I feel weird. I don't feel great. I'm nervous now that I see blood. I was gonna make it a doctor's appointment to see my doctor that day anyway. So I go, you know what? Let's just this is a quick trip to the hospital. Drive myself to the hospital. Um, don't like hospitals. Don't like doctors. Um, don't like them at all. But I go there. I got this guy in the waiting room trying to talk to me. He goes, "Hey man, believe it or not, when I was." 10 years ago, I was your size, man. I was like 240, solid muscle, and I got kidney problems, man. And I'm like, well, thank you for thinking that I'm solid muscle. I appreciate that. It was a compliment, but buddy, I'm dealing with something right now, okay? I don't need you. It's me and you at 6 a.m. on a fucking Wednesday. I don't need you telling me about your kidney problems. Sorry. So I get brought back. Again, I'm telling him, yeah, I've had a little bit of a cough, thinking bronchitis, worst thing. I've never had bronchitis before, but that's what I'm thinking. I self-diagnosed. They do a bunch of tests because my heart rate was up. They're like, well, your heart rate's really high. You know, most people's heart rate's about one, uh, 60 to 100. I usually run a little bit higher of a heart rate for being a bigger guy. And over the past six years, I remember going to doctors and like, yeah, your heart rate's, you know, ne- never like high, but they're like, oh, it's a little higher. You know, it'd be in like the 80s. High 70s is usually my resting heart rate. But when I checked in the hospital, my heart rate was 114. So they're like, oh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, but we're going to give you, we're going to do some tests. So I immediately start kind of freaking out a little bit. My early panic sets in. My little hypochondriac brain starts going off like, all right. And I keep telling myself, it's bronchitis. You're all right. You're okay. It's all right. Wife's at home with a baby. Haven't really told my parents yet. You know, I was going to hopefully tell my parents and then have the wife come with me. because She's my rock. I need her. Right? So... Do a bunch of tests, do blood work. They, they, I got thick elephant skin, so they fucking poked me a hundred goddamn times. I got bruises up and down my arm still. Every nurse gets two shots. If they can't get in two shots, they're out. So they had to go through my hands to get some blood. Through my arms, they put an IV in me to try to like slow my heart rate down. They thought maybe I was dehydrated. All that good stuff. Oh, there's my dog. My dog's going nuts. He's going nuts. We'll power through. We'll power through. Hopefully he'll. Hopefully he'll shut up. And he's not shutting up. He's not shutting up. All right, I'm out to probably take care of this. Care of this. So he was barking at nothing. Classic. Classic. Uh, Otis is my dog's name. So I get all these tests done. Blood work. Blah blah. Checks X-ray. Come back. The lady goes. You got pneumonia. And I didn't have a fever. I've never had pneumonia before. And I go, hmm, okay. Trying to stay calm. She's like, yeah, there's a, we, we saw on the chest x-ray a little bit in both lungs. 
And I'm like, okay, okay, cool. Meanwhile, I'm shaking inside. My heart rate's not going up to like 125. And she's like, we're going to admit you. We're going to put you in. We're going to monitor you, blah, blah, blah. So then I just start freaking out. I've never stayed a night in the hospital before. 32 years on earth, and I've never stayed before. I've stayed, obviously, when my wife gave birth. I've stayed um, I stayed a couple hours when I had my seizure, but they sent me home. Never stayed a night before as a patient. So I start freaking out. Text my wife, you need to get here. We need to work something out, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, call my parents, figure something out to watch the baby. I need you here. Yada, yada, yada. So, sit in the emergency. I got to wait for my room at this point. My heart rate now is at like 131. Every new nurse that comes in goes, oh, wow, your heart rate's high. Hmm. And they walk out. Yeah, I fucking know it is, dude. I'm freaking out here. They gave me a breathing treatment to help with my lungs. And they told me like, hey, this is going to make you a little jittery. It's going to elevate your heart rate. I'm like, well, I don't know how much it can go much higher. So I do a breathing treatment. Actually helps because I was wheezing and I was coughing a lot. The, the cough kind of subsided after the breathing treatment. Heart rate ju- jumps to 144. So again, I'm like hooked up to a heart monitor. That thing's beeping every time it goes over 141. And I'm freaking out. Like at this point, like I'm a full panic. Like I, my stupid brain knows too much. I know too much useless information. Like Corey Hill, the MMA fighter who was on the ultimate fighter, he died of pneumonia, but he also had like a lung transplant. And I just keep thinking of all these celebrities or all these well-known people that I've heard that I know of that have died of pneumonia. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm dead. I'm on death's door. I, I just, I couldn't break it, break free from it. I was freaking out. So finally, my wife comes with my mom. I get moved up to my room. They stay for a while. My wife goes home, takes care of what she takes care of, the hero that she is, comes back and stays with me. I had a little bit of a, you know, this is, this is, a, safe, this is a safe space. This is a, the safe zone. I, you know, I'm an alpha male. I'm an alpha male. I, like, I don't think about my health quite often, if I'm being honest with you. I don't, I never had any health problems, so it's never really came up for me. But when... I'm on a heart monitor and I'm taking bags and bags of fluids and bags and bags of antibiotics and I'm getting my my vitals checked every two hours. You know, that's a lot for me. And I start playing, my brain just would not work with me. It's telling me the crazy shit that's going to happen. The, the, the 1% that that stuff's going to happen. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm thinking they're misdiagnosing me and it's, it sucks. It really does. It's, it's, Something that I couldn't get a hold of. I've always thought, and I've said it on here before, I've always thought I could control my thoughts and and the way I think. And I know everything about myself. There's nothing that anybody is going to say something about me that's surprising, right? I'm very self-aware. I know things. And I consider myself very level-headed. Throw that out the fucking window when you get put in the hospital. At least for me. Freak city. And luckily, I am very lucky that I have such a caring and loving wife who is ultra calming and confident and she stayed with me and I don't know obviously I think I would have made it but that night that night I, I slept hardly any but with her there sleeping on the couch I knew I was gonna be okay right I knew with her there I was gonna be, everything was gonna be fine so wake up Thursday morning I slept for like maybe two hours this nurse comes in and he goes Brian Brian when I finally fall asleep at like five in the morning watching Forrest Gump, I jump out of the bed like, what, what, what is it? Like freaking out. Oh, your heart monitor unplugged. Cause they gave me like a mobile one. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. I fucking finally got some sleep after two days. What the fuck? Don't freak out like that. Then she proceeds to tell me that I have rhinovirus. And then again, Hey, not a fucking doctor. Don't lead with you have rhinovirus. Cause I don't know what the fuck that is. It's basically the common cold. So the con- I tested positive with a common cold. So there's three types of pneumonia that are bacterial. So you can get bacterial pneumonia in your lungs and stuff like that. My pneumonia was viral and the viral virus came from the rhinovirus that I had. So it was all kind of connected. So they kind of figured it out what it was. Now, Thursday morning, wife goes to take care of the baby. Her mother, my mother-in-law flies into town. To help out because I don't know how long I'm going to be there. My heart rate was still pretty high. Not high. Not, it wasn't 144 anymore, but it was getting back down. But it was still about 120, 150, you know, 115, 120. 
So, but it was climbing down to my blood pressure now, start acting up on me. They, they test my blood pressure to be, you know, 150 over uh, like 90. And they'd be like, that's pretty high. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I, I'm freaking out here. I don't know. So then they give me blood pressure medicine. And now I'm convinced with my wife not there that I'm never leaving this place. I'm fucking never leaving. So I get comfortable because I'm starting to, the whole time, I'm not really sick, sick. When I think of pneumonia, I think of a 110 fever guy dying on the floor. And I wasn't like that. I felt pretty good. I was standing up, walking around. I hated being in that bed. I was over on the couch when the nurses came in to draw blood again. I was playing my iPad. Like, yeah, go ahead. Find one of the fucking holes I already got in my arm. So eventually, my blood pressure started coming down. I guess the medicine started to work. I was taking half little half tablets. Started to come down. Heart rate was still a little high. But the, the doctor, doctor thought it was my heart or my body fighting the virus. She was okay with me leaving. So I left on Thursday. And uh, I've been home since Thursday. So day and a half in the hospital sucks. But, uh, you know, I, I learned a few things about myself. I learned that you know, I do not do well in the hospitals. And I learned that it's okay. being an alpha like myself and being kind of a fucking hard-headed at times. And it, it's easy to poke fun at people and stuff like that. I realized like it's it's not it's not a picnic, man. I needed my wife there. I would have I, I keep saying I wouldn't have made it. I would have made it, but it would have been really tough. It would have been hard on me. It would have been my brain would have got no rest. Instead of worrying about my lungs, I would have about my brain. My brain would have just fucking snapped from anxiety and stress and panic and all that shit. So they and they gave me a Xanax. I'm not a pill guy. I've never taken a Xanax before. Never really done any of that. Um I don't they gave me a Xanax to try to calm me down. My mom was like, my mom's on Xanax, so she's like you know, he's pretty worked up. Maybe take him a Xanax. And I was like, well, I don't want to just keep fucking taking all these medicines, but whatever. I didn't feel anything. I know there's people out there that you know, maybe like Xanax a lot and stuff like that. I know in my part of town growing up, there's some guys that abused it. Uh, you know, that was their drug of choice. But yeah, it wasn't for me. So I'm all better. I'm on the mend. Um, went to the doctor on Wednesday. Lungs sound clear. I got to get a chest x-ray in a month to make sure all the pneumonia is out. I'm on an antibiotic. Um, little wheezy. I haven't coughed yet. I recorded actually on Tuesday. Tuesday was my first day back at work. And I tried to record after work and I, I was low energy. I stopped drinking caffeine. I'm on no caffeine right now because my heart rate was elevated. And I always just thought it was normal. Like, oh yeah, I've always had a kind of a high heart rate. Well, it could have been because I was sucking down, you know, sodas left and right too. And not having a lot of caffeine intake. So I have, I've been caffeine free for almost a week now. When I got out of the hospital, I think I had one or two. And then I said, nope, no more. I'm, I'm done with the fucking caffeine. So I haven't had that. So I record, tried to record on Tuesday after being back at work, after being off for almost 10 days. And it was low energy. It was, I tried to edit together because I was coughing a lot still. Now it's kind of just all stuffed up in my face. So you can kind of, you can kind of listen to that. But I, no one wants to hear me coughing into a fucking microphone. So that was my week. I'm doing better. Um, a couple messages got out there. I appreciate the messages that were sent. Sorry that I've been a little MIA. I haven't really been active on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Once I get some energy back, once I get things going, I'm going to obviously pick that all back up. And obviously, we're going to, this is a pretty big show today. I mean, this show's probably going to run over an hour. If you're listening to this now, I, I'm only recording this now. I mean, it, it, we're about 13 minutes in, 14 minutes in. Um, but I mean, we got a lot to talk about here, boys. So let's jump right into what we got to talk about. All the way back to March 9th, UFC Wichita. Um, wasn't my favorite card in the world. I went seven and six on my picks. Um, I didn't hit any unders. Did I hit any unders? I did not. I didn't hit any unders. Um, let me see. I'm not gonna go over the entire card. I'm just gonna go over some of the highlights here. Um I thought um, but Daniel, but Neil Darius versus Drew Dober um, I got that fight right great fight really really good fight uh, but Neil Darius is he's a tough dude like, he's got some holes in his game and Drew Dober is always those guys that kind of fall apart at the end but really entertaining fight Ben Rothwell versus Blagall Ivanov I thought Ben Rothwell got robbed that was my underpick um, I thought he got robbed on a decision I thought he stalked Ivanov the whole time was active, was throwing combinations. Ivanov was landing some shots, but I thought Ben Rothwell was in his face more and uh, was doing the more damage and putting the pressure on him. Uh, Nico Price versus Tim Means was crazy. I thought Tim Means was going to run through Nico Price. Almost a two-to-one favorite. Nico Price slapped him. 
broke his fucking ankle, one punch knockout. Pretty crazy comeback from Nico Price there. Elizo Zazeki Dos Santos versus Curly Millinder. Great fight for, uh, for Aless, uh, Zaleski. I'm a big fan of this guy. I think he's talented. Millinder's no joke. Millinder's tough as they come. And um, Zaleski looked great. He looked really well-rounded. That guy needs a top guy at welterweight. Give him a top guy at welterweight. I don't care who it is. Super talented. And then the main event was um, Junior Dos Santos versus Derek Lewis. Kind of what I expected. I picked Dos Santos to win. He obviously knocked out uh, Derek Lewis. Um, it kind of came out that Derek Lewis has been training or fighting for four years with a, a knee. Every time Derek Lewis doesn't look great, it's always like an injury. You know, I know he's trying to save face. I mean, he just bought like a Lamborghini or Ferrari or something. So he's still wanting to be, you know, the guy and everything like that. His social media is still great, but you don't need to come out. I mean, and I'm not saying he's a liar. I believe him. But it's like every time he loses, ah, oh, my back hurt. Now it's like, you know, he didn't look too great against the Santos. And, and now it's his knee's been blown out for four years. Um, but no, it was an entertaining fight. Junior Santos is good. Junior DeSantos needs to fight Francis Ngannou next. That's what I want to see. Dos Santos, the fight went exactly how I thought. He was going to move around. He was going to piece Derek Lewis up. Derek Lewis only had that one shot. Um, he throws like kind of a crazy kick that's a little athletic, but it, 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 there's nothing behind it. It's it's just a flashy kick. There's real no setup. There's real no... It's not like you're, you're going in there game planning for that kick against Derek Lewis, but he throws it almost every fight. Um, it's almost like a switch kick midair. Uh, DeSantos looked good, though. He got caught. He, got play, he played Derek Lewis's... Um, game a little bit by kind of rushing in. He got caught with the right hand and, uh, you know, um, but he recovered well. He took two big right hands. Dos Santos did and, and he recovered well. And then pieced up Derek Lewis ended up knocking him out. And, and that's what it was. Uh, good all around. I think JDS goes right to Naganyu. I don't think it, like you, you can maybe rematch JDS with a bunch of other people, but I liked the Naganyu, uh, fight. I like to maybe Overeem rematch too. I think he beats Overeem if they fight again. So there's a lot of options for JDS right now. He's, he seems like a real good guy of the sport. I root for JDS. Um, I'm not, you know, he's not one of my guys, but I root for him. And by the way, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be drinking a little bit during this. I know it. I'm going to try to do it away from the mic. I usually stop it, but we got a lot to cover. So if you hear me drinking or there's a little pause in this, I apologize ahead of time. I hear Rogan do it. I hear, I hear all the big, the big guys do it, right? Um, I'm parched. I'm sick. Give me a break. Usually I don't do it, but I got a little Gatorade here and I got to do it. So let's jump right into March 16th, UFC London card. This one, man, this one hits home for me. I mean, we got a lot to talk about on this one. Obviously, I'm a Darren Till guy. Darren Till. This is a Darren Till podcast. I've said that many times. Should we start with Darren Till? No, we're going to end with Darren Till. We'll end it because I got a lot to say about it. So I went five and seven on my picks. Wasn't the best night for me. Uh, Nadin Armini versus Mike Grundy. I got that one wrong. Mike Grundy, a Darren Till teammate, looked pretty good. Uh, entertaining fight, Nadin Armini. Um, I don't know. It just seemed like he wasn't there. Pretty competitive first round and then just kind of, I don't know, he just got wore down a little bit by Grundy. Grundy, a, kind of a grinder, wrestler, but a lot of this fight was taking place on the feet. Patricia Calarello versus Molly McCann. Awesome fight. Should have been maybe fight of the night. Molly Meatball McCann broke her orderable bone. First English woman to ever win the UFC. Awesome for her. She looked good. She looked tough. She looked uh, definitely better than the UFC debut. That's for sure. Danny Henry versus Dan Eagle. I got this fight wrong. I took the under on Henry. He got smoked by Eagle. Wasn't even close. Dan Eagle's on another fucking another planet right now. The guy is fighting at a, at a top top high level. I hopefully he gets some big fights at featherweight. Um, my phone keeps. getting updates about March Madness. I don't give a shit. And then we got uh, Tom Breeze versus Enan Heinrich got scrapped. We got Blogoff Sevenov versus Nick Nagamalidov. I pronounced all those wrongs. That fight stunk. Serenov won, but he like cheated the whole time. It was, it was a crap fight. Uh, I got that fight wrong, though, by the way. That's why it was a crap fight. Mark Dac Dacanese versus Joe Duffy. Very entertaining fight. Both guys need this fight a lot. I took Duffy. He was the heavy favorite. Dacanese has never really impressed me. Uh, Mark got the win though. Duffy got clipped and and just got his shin kicked off and and it was not a good night for Duffy. Not really sure what he's doing in there, but it was a, it was a competitive fight up until the third round and uh, Mark Dacanese took over. Arnold Allen versus Jordan Rinaldi. I got this fight right actually. Uh, Arnold Allen, just Arnold Allen, Jordan Rinaldi. Basically, he's just a better version, big, stronger, younger version of Arnold. Or excuse me, Jordan Rinaldi. 
The fucking battle of the whales, Jack Marshman versus John Phillips. Man, I was really disappointed in this fight. I thought these two Welshmen, if that's what they're called from Wales, were going to come out and fucking slang and bang. I thought these dudes were going to come out and fucking just take each other's head off. There was like one good exchange where Marshman got dropped and the rest was like a real like not either guy wanted to fucking engage. It was really fucking sad to see. Marshman won a crap decision, got that fight wrong. Danny Roberts versus Claudio Silva, very good fight. Danny Roberts, I guess, verbally tapped a lot of the people. He screamed in pain, which technically can mean there's verbal tap. He said he didn't tap. It was a back-and-forth fight with Claudio Silva. Very entertaining, though. I, I like that fight. But, you know, it is what it is for Danny Roberts. Got it wrong. Nathan Wood versus Jose Quintos. Nathan Wood is going to be something else. Three finishes now, all by submission. He's a tough dude at Bantamweight. I like this kid. Good striking, good ground game, high motor. Gets hit a little bit too much for my liking. I think if he cleans that up at 135, he's going to be a problem. Look great. Quintus, can, Quintus showed up. I've never been impressed with Jose, but he showed up to fight. He wasn't just going to lay over and be like, oh, this kid's from England? Cool. I'm, I'm, I might as well just come in and lose. No, he was fucking, he was throwing. Volker knows me versus Dominic Reyes. A little bit of a letdown for me. We'll get to the light heavyweights later in the show because... There's a lot of talk about that division. Division is rocking right now. Um, very close fight. Uh, a lot of people thought Vulcan won. I can see it go either way. I thought Dominic Reyes maybe controlled it more and landed some of the bigger shots. Vulcan was looking to grapple a little more. Leon, Leon Edwards versus Gunny Nelson. Great fight. Uh, Leon Edwards is... I mean, he's, he's, he's a top five welterweight at this point. Gunny Nelson's a tough guy to look good against. He has that awkward striking. He's he's really strong. He grapples. He's put on some muscle for that division. He's confident. He's good on the ground. Leon Edwards is Achilles heel. Excuse me. Has been guys that can wrestle him and grapple him. Like, you know, he lost to Kamar Usman early in his career. Um, but Leon Edwards came out with a great game plan, beautiful game plan. Won every minute of that fight, except about 30 seconds of the third round. Have no idea how a judge still has a job. That give, he Someone gave that. It was a split decision win from Leon Edwards. I have no clue how someone gave that to Gunny Nelson, right? It was it was insane. All three rounds, Leon Edwards. Gunny Nelson won 30 seconds of that. Really impressed with Leon Edwards. Hopefully big things are coming from this guy. Um, obviously, we'll talk about what happened afterwards, but let's get to the main event. Darren Silvers, George Masvidal. Man, <sighs> let me tell you something, boys, okay? This was, this was devastating because I thought Darren Till came out looking great. He looked sharp. He dropped Masvidal within under a minute, was aggressive, was coming in. I was a little nervous because he was getting hit, and he threw his hands up like, come on, yeah, you know, because Jorge, George, whatever you want to call him, he is a really good counterpuncher. He's a really good boxer. He's tough. He's hard to get out of there, right? He's been finished one time. That was by a roided-out Rodrigo Dam back in Japan, and it was it was a crap stoppage. He got caught with the right hand, got dropped, and he stopped the fight. It was bullshit. It's the only time he's ever been fucking... TKO'd. I know he's been submitted by Tony Yamada back in Bellator, but George is tough as they come. And Darren Till put it on that first round. George was waving him on. Very insane first round. I thought Darren was finding his timing, but I also thought George was finding his timing too. Because George is such a veteran and he's really good. He's he's dangerously underrated. I was supremely confident in this fight. I put a hundred bucks on Darren Till. That was the only bet I made this night. This was, you know, two days after getting out of the hospital. I threw a bet on him. I'm like, I'm going to support my guy. He was almost a two-to-one favorite. Wasn't like I was going to win a lot of money, but I wanted to have some kind of stakes on it. Second round, they come out. Darren Till kind of does this thing where, you know, he freezes and he squares up and he postures and his hands are down and he gets away with it because he's so big and his chin's in the air. Well, Masvidal read that and he caught him with a few left hooks early on in that round with not like a ton of power on it, and Darren took it, but Darren didn't make the adjustments. Darren was firing his left hand, wasn't throwing a lot of kicks because George catches kicks super great. Like, he's really good at catching kicks. Um, there's a moment where it went to the ground, they pop back up. Darren, again, is a big, strong 170. And then um, and then they did a little exchange. Darren framed up again with his hands down. George caught him with a huge overhand left hand. Slapped him. Dead. He's fucking dead. I thought he's dead. My buddy texted me. He's like, he's dead. Crazy knockout. Never thought that was going to happen. I, I knew Masvidal was very good. I followed Masvidal's career for a long time. I know he's a backyard street fighter. I just thought Till was bigger, stronger, a little bit, even a little bit faster. Um, but Masvidal, man, he came out with just 
he wasn't going to be denied. I don't know how many people could have beat him that night, if I'm being honest with you. He was took almost two years off. He's rejuvenated. He's coming off some losses to some guys that only want to grapple him. He was in there with a guy that wanted to swing, wanted to bang, and he, he fucking was like, let's go. Let's do it. Um, you, you can't but help help but be happy for uh, Jorge Masvidal. George Masvidal. I've switched it like 10 times. I don't know what I want to call him. I think he prefers going by Jorge. Game bread. But, um, man, Darren Till, it's rough. So, a lot of people, fighters were like, listen, don't kick a fighter when he's down, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to kick a guy when he's down, right? I'm still going to be a fan of Darren Till. However, my level of excitement when he fights is not going to be the same because, unfortunately, this has happened to me before, I feel like maybe I bought into the hype a little bit, right? A lot of people were kind of calling for him being overrated. I didn't think that was the case. I think now we can sit back and be like, and and taking nothing away from Masvidal, but I think we all can kind of sit back because he made the same mistake in the Masvidal fight he did against the Tyrant fight. He's maybe not involving the way he should at a young age. He's very young. His future's at 185, not 170. But still my guy, and I'll never tweet a fighter in Basham. I'll never talk shit about there until I'm here because I love the guy. I think he's entertaining. He's young. He's, he is talented. Just needs to fix a couple things, right? Defensively. And um, hopefully, he just posted on Instagram today. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but if you want to go, he's like in Canada skiing. And he just said he's going to be back a different animal and he's got to clean some stuff up. I mean, he knows what he's, he's an intelligent guy. He's, he knows the mistakes he's made. He knows what he's got to do. Hopefully he does that. Um, I think he's with his good camp. I don't want him to see him go back to Brazil. Just want to see him clean some things up with his technique. And defensively, you're getting away with a lot of that stuff. If you go up to 85, you got to change that regardless. Cause guys at 85 are your size now. So, um, I'm not going to kick him when he's down. So, you know, a fighters don't have to defend people, you know, cause the real pieces of shit are the guys that are tweeting out there until talking about, you know, you're a bum, you're this, you're that. Those guys suck. Those guys are the worst. Why, why would you do that? Right. You know, well, there's no point in that, right? Darren Till is still one of the best fighters in the world, but I can safely say now that I'm sitting here in front of this microphone that yeah, he he's overrated. And I bought into the hype. I bought into it. I think a lot of people did. He's entertaining. He's electric on camera. That fucking accent. That fucking accent will get you every time. But um, no, he's still my guy. But I can't cheer with the same vigor. I'm going to watch every fight still. But it's not going to be, you know, me singing Sweet Caroline in my living room again. Like I did when he fought Tyron Woodley. And I may have done that Saturday when he walked out as well. But another thing too, and I want to talk about this. Fighters are going, oh, you, you support fighters. You know, other fighters on Twitter are like, you support fighters. You got to support them. I hate when people pick fighters. They support and then all of a sudden they turn their back on them. Fighting is the one sport where I think you can do that. I'm a Cincinnati guy, born and raised. I love the Bengals. Have the Bengals been great since I've been alive? They were in the Super Bowl in 1988. I was two. Or going to be two. Hadn't been two yet. Were they great? No, but I'm from Cincinnati. I can't go root for the fucking Cowboys. I can't go root for the 49ers. I was born into this. I was born into a Bengals fan, huge Bengals fan. It's the only team I care about. I like the Reds. You know, I pay attention to the Reds. I love going to the games, going to baseball games. Fun. My wife loves the Reds. I get into the Reds for about a month. And then I'm like, wow, there's a hundred fucking 62 of these. Okay. Maybe I'll take a step back for a little bit, but as a sports fan, I don't think you can pick who you root for. And coming from Cincinnati, we have a lot of those fuckers around here. All through the 90s growing up, Cincinnati football was not great. So a lot of these kids grew up rooting for the fucking Steelers. Or their parents go, I'm not rooting for these losers. I'm going to root for a winner. So they grow up with their parents rooting for the Cowboys or the Steelers or the 49ers or whoever. And they become fans of those. Those, those people are the worst, in my opinion. If you're born in a city, you ride with that city. That's how I was raised. My family pretty much hates the Cincinnati Bengals. They hate Mike Brown. They hate him. But 
they're going to watch the games and they're going to root for them and they're going to cheer them on because that's where we're from. You're only from one place. Well, most of us are. <coughs> I try to, I, I pulled the mic away. I apologize for that. But in fighting, you'll get some guys from your hometown, like Rich Franklin for me, Cincinnati, taught at my high school. You'll get some guys that you train with, some of us, if you train, that make it. Chris Curtis for me. I'm always going to root for him. Those are my home team guys. But as a fan, and there's so many personalities, I pick the guys that I, I gravitate towards. I have no connection to BJ Penn. I'm not Hawaiian. I'm not a jiu-jitsu ace. I love the guys, you know, the way he carried himself and the way he fought. Like that gravity, he grabbed me. And the same thing with fucking all the guys I like. Dan Hardy earlier in his career, I loved him. He grabbed, you know, the same thing with, with Darren Till. These guys pull me to him. Like Kamar Usman, he was a guy that I really liked from the Ultimate Fighter. He was like a leader. Everyone looked up to him and his mental was tough. And then the skills came along with that. So in fighting, you can choose who you pick. So it's a little different. Now, if you're a guy that chooses only the champions to like and root for, the minute they lose, you root for the other guy, so forth, you're a piece of shit. If you live in a city where your team's not that great, so you go out and you root for another team, you're a piece of shit. The only exception, say you live in Cincinnati, but your dad, your mom, everyone's from Cleveland, born and raised Cleveland, and you moved here when you are a kid, and your dad's a huge Browns fan, so you just root it with your dad. That's acceptable. I'm okay with that. But if you're born and raised Cincinnati and your family either doesn't care about football or they like football and they root for the Bengals, but you decide, you know what? The Bengals aren't, you know, they're not winning Super Bowls. I'm going to go root for the Green Bay Packers because I like Brett Favre. I'm going to go root for, you know, Peyton Manning and the Colts, Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yeah, piece of shit. Yeah, piece of shit. That's just all there is to it. I want nothing to do with you. You shouldn't be able to pick that way. And I know there's a lot of people in Cincinnati that way. Hopefully, I'm sure they're everywhere. I'm sure they're in a lot of cities as well. But I can't imagine there's a ton in Boston right now rooting against the Patriots. You know what I mean? A lot of probably everyone's Patriots fans right now. So that's my little rant about that. You piece of shit if you decide to root for another team. So after UFC London was the Edwards Masvidal brawl, um, there's video of it. Obviously, it's been passed around. Jorge Masvidal was giving an interview with Lauren Senko. It was his time to shine. He just came off the biggest win of his career. Leon Edwards kind of walks by. He was off camera going, July, July. And apparently there was some stuff said on Insta or Twitter or whatever. So Jorge goes, say it to my face. Walks off camera with his hands behind his back. Leon, you can't see him at this point. He's like behind like a, kind of like a, a, a press thing. He comes walking up. His hands are up. Jorge puts his hands behind his back. Boom, boom, boom. Just cracks him, cuts his eye. People get in the middle. They screaming at each other. Uh, Breck Automoto, who was killing it over the weekend, was getting some great coverage, some great footage, and great interviews of fighters. Asked him about it, and he explained. I walked up, his hands were up. So where I'm from, you throw, you know. And he said, I hit him with a three piece and a soda, which needs to be a t shirt. If I made t shirts that any of you guys bought, I would have fucking made that already. But no one buys my shit. Sad. Sad. Anyway, um, a lot of people are like, oh, this is bad for the sport. Uh, sure, it's a little unprofessional. But then again, these are fucking fighters. They're not bowlers. They're not professional dart players, dude. There's a fight in NASCAR almost every fucking five seconds, right? There's going to be some shit like this when you get two fighters, especially a guy who doesn't fuck around. Jorge Masvidal talks about sucker punch people all the time. Like He's from a place where you don't walk up to somebody and not throw first punch. You got to throw the first punch. Reminds me of a story. <laughs> Quick story. I I worked at a, a, a place and this this guy, a little bit younger than me, was like, hey man, this, this guy's fucking around with my girlfriend. They had sex a while ago and I'm back with her now and he won't leave her alone. He's like, I might get in a fight with him tonight, but he's always with like five guys. Can you have my back? Sure. I gotcha. Calls me up. Hey man, I'm about to go over there. Will you come with me? Yes. I'm at home. He's about 20 minutes away. I was eating my fucking dinner. It's like 10 o'clock at night. Suit up, tie my shoestrings real tight, put on some shorts, put on a fucking t-shirt that I'm not worried about, and I go out the door. Two of my buddies, who remain nameless, call me. What are you getting into tonight, man? And I go, well, I tell you, I'm going to go help this, and you know, I'm going to go give this kid some support. I wasn't planning on fighting. I was just 
making sure he didn't get jumped. And they're like, we want to come. I was like, great. We'll meet us in this parking lot. So they meet us. Both guys who I love dearly had never really been in a fist fight before. Right. And I had been in a few. No big deal. So when we got in the car and we drove over to where this kid was at, I told everyone in the car, do not run your mouth to any, because these kids were a little younger, right? They're a little feistier. They're in their home turf. They're at like a house party. If you start talking shit with somebody, do not let him get anywhere close to you without swinging. Don't do it. You swing first, no matter what. Don't push nobody. If you're running your mouth, that's fine. But if you walk towards them or they walk towards you, you're throwing hands. Don't push anybody. You know, you got to hit them. So we get there and uh, there, you know, there's like five or six of them and there's four of four of us. And we walk out the, the main, the dude who was there to fight the other guy for the girlfriend reasons. They're jabbing back and forth. This giant fucking cabbage patch looking motherfucker, redheaded dude. I fucking me just staring at me because I'm the other biggest guy there. Right. And I just start running my mouth to him. Like, what, what, what are you doing? I don't remember exactly what was said, blah, blah, blah. We're going back and forth. And then he goes, oh, you got a big fucking mouth. He's like, yep, come shut it. Come shut my big mouth. And we're about 20 feet apart. And I got my two other buddies who call me up to the right of me. My one buddy out of nowhere jumps in front of me and goes, you got a problem with him? And shoves this kid. And what does this kid do? Lays him out. Lays my buddy out cold. I don't think he knocked him out cold, but he laid him out. Just hit him, boom, sack of potatoes down. My other buddy, who was, it was quite a bit, he's a big guy too, just fucking tie, tie clinches this kid, just wrestles him down and just holds him. Doesn't know what to do. Just like, I'm not getting hit. I'm bigger. I'm, I weigh more than this kid. I'm just going to fucking hold his head down. And then I had three guys rush me. And they literally had to step over and jump over my buddy to get to me because he was still on the fucking ground. So the moral of the story is you got to throw first. And that's where Jorge Masvidal's from. Listen, he comes from Miami, Florida. He was a backstreet or a backstreet backyard brawler. Leon Edwards coming up to him was not a good move. Is this bad for the sport? I say no, because these are fighters. There should have been more security back there. There should have been something set in place. These, they let these two guys walk right up to each other. I mean, what the fuck do you think is going to happen? Dana White tweeted about it. He got kind of mad. Um, and it is what it is. I can see why Dana White got mad, but you know, I'm not super upset with it. I think it was an okay move. Hopefully, I think they should fight. I know Masvidal is not really happy about that. He's now ranked fifth. I doesn't think he. I don't think he wants to fight Edwards. I don't think he thinks it's a big enough name. I think he called for a title shot, which I think is a little crazy. You just knocked out Darren Till. That's number three. I think Leon Edwards has legs. Put him in America. Put it on a pay per view. Put it on a fight night. Maybe even over in England. I don't know if. Masvidal would want to go back there. Um, but I think that's the fight to make. I mean, there's a lot of talent at 170 that you can do, but I think that's the fight to make. I know Masvidal is not crazy about it, but I think you got to do that fight. And the other couple big things, um, the ESPN deal. Dana White tweeted out last week, three smiley faces, which if you follow Dana White or any of MMA, you know that's a big deal coming, right? Big dick swinging. So the ESPN deal was originally for five years. They have tacked on two more, so now it's a seven-year deal. Dana and Ari Emanuel, a.k.a. Ari Gold, who runs UFC with Dana, they both re-up for seven more years. So we got seven more years of the ESPN era, and I think ESPN is doing a great job. Now UFC is exclusive to ESPN. So all the pay-per-views are going to be on ESPN+. Plus. I've had no problem with ESPN+. Plus. I'm, I'm an old-school guy. I do like cable. I still have cable. When I order the fights, I like ordering the fights via cable. I'm not worried about Wi-Fi going out, whatever the case may be. However, ESPN Plus has actually been pretty great. I like this deal. They're going to offer packages. I mean, I pay five bucks a month for ESPN Plus now. Maybe they'll offer a package. Like you get two pay-per-views a year, ESPN Plus, plus whatever for like maybe 120 bucks. I think that'd be a pretty good deal. Uh, Rumors are that ESPN is going to be setting the price for pay-per-views. So hopefully if it's like a weaker pay-per-view, they won't charge as much because there's been some times where, like, for example, the the Australian car that fell apart. People were thinking they should have canceled the pay-per-view and put it on free TV. That's pretty steep to ask 65 bucks, you know, for that. I thought that was pretty steep, in my opinion. But hopefully we get some packages and deals and everything like this. I think this is positive for the sport. 
if you're if you're if you're a fucking league or you're a company or whatever, you want to be with ESPN. They do great stuff. The only other people I think do better coverage, and not even coverage, production value, in my opinion, is BT Sports right now. BT Sports is doing some amazing stuff, but ESPN is doing some incredible things. Brad Okamoto is killing it right now with his pieces on fighters. He did the Darren Till thing where they showed where he slept. He did the Masvidal interview. He's he's quickly becoming a really good on-camera guy. I know Ariel got his thing. You know I got beef with Ariel. He's got his own little dumb shit going, but Dana's really getting behind Akimoto. He's like tweeting out stories that he's doing, and that's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, but there's a sit-down interview with Dana White did with Kevin Ioli, which is okay. I'm not a huge Kevin fan, if I'm being honest with you, but he did one with Megan Levy, which I know it's in-house, so they probably edited it the way they wanted it and made Dana look the way they wanted it. But that was a good interview. I like the Megan Levy one. I think she's doing a great job, too. Now, the other big news that I have not addressed yet was McGregor got arrested, I guess, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago now. He smashed someone's phone. So he was in Florida, I think, right? Was he in Florida? He's been kind of in America a lot lately. He's been in for like America for almost two months. They were at the, uh, they were celebrating his mom's birthday in the Versace mansion or whatever. And he went out to a club and um, some guy threw a phone in his face at 5 a.m. when he's leaving. It was a club that was like in a hotel, threw on the ground. And then the only video there is, there's video of him stomping on the phone. And the guy's going, let me get my phone real quick. And Connor's stomping on it. So what was said and why the guy was videoing him, I don't know. Um, A lot of people are speculating that Connor might have been with a woman, even though D was in there with their kids. D, or maybe not at the club, but she was in Miami with their kids. Maybe Connor was with another woman because there's all those reports that he's got that kid with that other chick. A lot of reports were that he was fucking doped up. I don't know. But, I mean, it it is what it is. I mean, Connor needs to, obviously, I mean, I've never been in that position where I got cameras in my face all the time, so obviously there's, there's going to be a breaking point, but it's not like he killed anybody, okay? You know, he's gonna, this guy's going to get some money. Apparently, this guy's like a big Khabib fan, so they, they dug up some shit on this guy, and maybe that was what was said. I don't know. Who knows? But, I mean, this guy's obviously going to get a nice little payout for getting his fucking smoke, phone smashed. Then he did, like, the uh, St. Paddy's Day tour, of Chicago and Boston was like the king of Chicago. Chicago does Patty Day's right. Then he goes to Boston, does a speech with the Bruins. That was pretty. I mean, Connor just fucking lets it fly, man. He's he's an entertainer, dude. He fucking that was a good pep talk to the Bruins. There. The Bruins appreciated it. Brad Marchand does a little Connor thing on the ice. It's pretty cool. So Connor's had a nice little run here. And then the video just came out, I think, earlier this week of him standing on a bar on Patty's Day, kind of doing like an impromptu interview about, you know, how he Nate Diaz deserves a trilogy fight. He's going to get that fight, but he really wants the Khabib rematch. And he's telling everything he did wrong. He said, I would never have got caught with that right hand. And uh, I wish I had the audio pulled up, my production. You know, I'm lacking today. But uh, I would never have got caught with that right hand. And he's just going, That's a, I don't like that. I don't hate that Irish accent I just did right there, by the way. But um, he wants to fight in July. Obviously, he's not going to fight Khabib in July. I don't know if he's going to fight Tony. Tony's going through some shit right now. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Cerrone versus Iaquinta. Cerrone was the guy that was supposed to fight Connor in July. Cerrone's fighting Iaquinta in May. I don't think Iaquinta... I think either the with the winner that could fight Connor in July, I think that might be too quick of a turnaround. I think that's going to be a tough fight for both guys. I think both guys are going to get banged up a little bit. Don't really know if that's a, a, a huge fight for either of them. I think... By May, by that fight, you probably already have to have a fight lined up for Connor because um, you got to promote the shit out of it. It's Connor McGregor, right? He's going to break all pay-per-view records. Max Holloway's a name that comes up. They had a nice little Twitter exchange. If you're a fan of Twitter, I would hop on Twitter and, and, and read the exchange they had. It was pretty great. Max had some good clapbacks. I was very impressed by Max's uh, comeback there. But, I mean, the winner of Poirier and Holloway, I'll be there live, no big deal. If you're going to Atlanta, you know me. I'll be in section 110. Um, that fight, I think, should win. Whoever wins that fight will fight Connor. And I think Tony should fight Khabib in the fall when Khabib's ready and not suspend it. And then beginning of next year, springtime, the winner of Khabib, Tony, will fight Connor, right? Connor needs, I don't think you need to put Connor on twice this year. Put him in July. If he wins, if he wins big against Holloway or Poirier, Maybe he can do the Nate trilogy in the fall and then rematch with, with Khabib. But I think you can't, as long as Tony's healthy mentally and physically, he can't ignore Tony Ferguson. You got to give him. I know they try to make the fight with with 
Poirier or with Holloway, and he turned him down for the interim title. But the guy's done enough. He needs to get that Khabib shot. And then the other little news here is TJ Killashaw, pop for PDs. Not surprised at all, if I'm being completely honest with you. Listen, he's he's been accused of it by former teammates, which is whatever. They, they could be bitter. But, I mean, if you look at his and it, the supplements that he takes, there's a picture that he the they did an ESPN or Yahoo story on him. There's a picture of his table for his weight cut from the supplements. And it's like, it's literally like 50 bottles. Like, what are you doing? Like, why do you need to take all that? Like, I, I mean, at some point, that can't be good for your body. I know that makes no sense. But it's like, if you're taking all this shit, that can't be good for your body, right? How many pills are you taking a day, man? But he got popped, and he didn't even, like, try to fight it. And I think he will fight it. It's in New York. They said adverse findings. They didn't say what. They're finding him 10 Gs, I think. He's threatened with a year suspension. And he just was like, you know what? I just got alerted about this. I'm giving up my belt. I'm relinquishing it. I'm not the champion anymore. So what do you do? You know? The rematch with Cejudo was the next thing at 35. Now the 35 is wide open. There's guys probably super happy right now that this is happening. I admire TJ Dillashaw at the point where, listen, if he's cheating, if it, if it comes out how bad he was cheating, then I'm not going to admire him. But obviously he was cheating enough, didn't deny it, said I'm going to work with the NSAC, I'm going to work with Usada, I'm going to work with whoever to get this right, but I'm giving up my title. I like that because it, if he fought this and drug this out, then it could have been a lot... It could have helped this vision. This vision is popping right now. This vision is on the cusp. You got Cejudo, who's the champion at 135. We don't know if he's coming up or not. He's calling it the Cejudo weight for whatever reason. Super talented guy. I think he needs to rematch Joe B, and then they need to shut down the vision. That's what they're going to do. 135. Who should get the shot at 135? I'll tell you, folks. Mon Marais versus Pedro Munoz. I know Aljamain Sterling is looking on the outside. A lot of people aren't going to like hearing that. Aljo got knocked out by Marais not too long ago. I know it's kind of a, a, a weird kick knee thing, but Pedro Munoz has never fought Marlon Rice, and he's only lost by a close decision. I love that fight. I think that fight makes sense for 135. It's really who's going to be ready. I know Aljo's like weighing like 160s in Hawaii right now, kind of training with Max Holloway. Uh, Munoz just fought with uh, um, Cody, got a cut on his head, and now he's apparently going to get sanctioned by Nevada for jumping on the cage or something like that. Marlon Rice is the guy. You can't get away from Marlon Rice. He's the guy that gets the title shot. If it's Marais and Suhuda for the 135, I wouldn't hate that. But I think it needs to be Marais Munoz. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be super bummed if it was Aljamain too. I like Aljamain. I just think he needs, you know, you know, he looked great against Jimmy Rivera, but I, I don't know. I think there's something missing. I don't know if he's there yet. And I know that's fucked up to say because I think he's super talented. But yeah. Last thing we'll hear. Well, last thing before we get into segments. Um Two segments. I say segments. Like I got a whole fucking dossier full of them. Tony Ferguson was dealing with some shit last week. Um, there was reports that came out that there was a, a lot of uh, police reports that came from his home at least three times. His wife kind of went on record and saying that Tony's very unstable right now, and that um, you know, he's being erratic. He thinks that someone's living in the wall. They think they planted a microchip in his leg when he had knee surgery. He's not sleeping. He thinks there's a flood coming. He um, would take their son when they were, you know, her, apparently his wife was living with her parents at one point. He would go there and take the son. Um, the good news about this situation is nothing was violent, right? Tony didn't hit her. He's never hit the son. She's even said he's a good husband. He's a good, he's a good father. He's just going through some stuff right now and he won't get help. Mental health is no joke. You need to, you listen, you need to really crack down on that and, and get on top of that if, that if that's what you're going through. Serious issue. And Tony, classic Tony, is, is taking the Instagram, is taking the Twitter, and said, listen, I appreciate all the thoughts and prayers and, or, and support. Uh, I'm going to get the help I need with my family, by my side, blah, blah, blah. Really classy move. He said the UFC is helping him along the way. I like that. You know, if you have an issue, there's, there's nothing embarrassing about having a mental health problem. There's nothing he can do about that. That's just something that happens. It's a chemical something in your brain. I don't really know what it is. I'm not a doctor. But... You know, it's not like he's abusing drugs or anything like that and, and is causing himself to kind of lose it. And he's and he's at least self-aware. He's listening to his wife. He's listening to his family. I, at least that's what I, I believe. So hopefully he gets the help he needs, whatever it is. I don't know, you know. And um, I, I, I appreciate him coming out and kind of addressing it instead of hiding from it because it's kind of a big deal. 
you know, as fighters, they get this stigma that there's brain damage and that they're all crazy and they're, you know, they're all going to lose it and they're all going to be fucking drooling by the time they're 40. And that might be the case for some, but Tony Ferguson seems like he's an intelligent enough guy to know I have a problem here. My wife loves me. I got great support. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take it at this point. So all the best to Tony Ferguson. Um, I don't, I'm sure he listens to the show. He's downloads it all the time. He's texting me all the time. When's the new show coming out? But hopefully he, you know, everything works out. He's, he's a terrific fighter. And um, it's sad to see when, when you got a guy going through that. And especially when, it, when kids are involved and stuff like that. So, all right. So before we do the Nashville picks, I'm going to, I'm going to breeze through the Nashville picks. Cause I do not like the card. I need to sort out this light heavyweight division for you guys. Right. You guys come to me. Cause I, I, I solve your, your problems. Right? I saw the problems that are happening in MMA right now. That's what I get from this podcast, I think. I think a lot of people say that. I think there's word on the street about that. So light heavyweight has been terrible for years. It's been John Jones. It's been Alex and Augustuson. It's been Daniel Cormier and Rubble Johnson. And then before that, it was the premier. You know, Chuck Liddell, TRTs, Randy Couture, Vitor Belfort. Rich Franklin for a bit. There are some guys at 205 that really, you know, Rampage Jackson, Rashad Evans, I can go on and on. Now there's some young talent. There's some young guys. So we're going to decide who's going to fight John Jones, who's the next up, who's going to be the guy that's going to be the guy. For the record, I don't know if any of these guys can beat John Jones. I think there are some interesting matchups, but John Jones is that fucking good. I know he looked a little lackluster against Anthony Smith. Um, it was a quick turnaround for him. I thought he looked, I thought he fought smart. You know what I mean? Dominated the entire fight. I know we all wanted to finish. I wanted to see him put, put it on the gas a little bit, but got the job done. So who's next for John Jones? Well, I'll go ahead and end the debate right there. Tiago Santos needs to fight John Jones. What he's done at 205 has been incredible. He's been super active. He's dangerous. He's powerful. He's fearless. I think the way to beat John Jones, I don't think John Jones has the best boxing in the world. He's got a good range. He's got great jab. He's hard to hit. He's hard to get on the inside. But Daniel Cormier's done it. Daniel Cormier's got in there and, and has done it. Tiago Santos is a bigger guy. He's 6'3". He's not as long as John Jones, but he cracks. And he it, and you need to be a little fearless to get in there. Anthony Smith wasn't willing to do that. He wanted to stay on the outside and get pieced up. You got to get in there because I don't think John, even though John fights really well on the inside, he's got great wrestling, clinch, and all that stuff, you got to be... Close enough to hit him, but not close enough to get grabbed. It's it's a real distance game. To beat John Jones, you got to get in and you got to fucking rough him up. And I think Tiago Santos could do that. I don't think he has the best boxing. I don't think he's as good as a boxer as Daniel Cormier on the inside. That's for sure. But I think he can crack. Do I think he beat John Jones? Eh, no. But that's next up, right? So then you go a guy like Corey Anderson. What do you do with Corey Anderson? I'm, I'm not crazy about Corey Anderson. He's been knocked out a few times. I think he's really... Um, he's stepping his game up. I think he's he's fought some really smart uh, fights, and he's and he's definitely winning uh, a lot. But he's not ready for a title shot right now. I like Corey Anderson versus Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith, we'll talk about now, just got booked with Alexander Gustafson. So those are locked up. They're in Sweden in June-ish, I think. Corey Anderson, that leaves him kind of odd man out. Who should he fight? Um, another guy we can talk about, Dom Reyes, who I was unimpressed with against Volkan Ozemir. That's a good fight for Corey Anderson. I think Volkanovski is a good fight as well. Corey's got to prove that he can he can take some shots over a heavy hitter, and and, and Volkan's got some heavy hands. You know, I'm not writing Corey off, but you know, I don't know if he's gonna be. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever touch John Jones. All right, I just sneeze. Hopefully, that was off can- uh, microphone enough. Woo! Feel alive now. Feel alive now, boys. All right, so who who do I think? Who, who am I most interested at at 205? I would tell you Dom Reyes. And I still like Dom Reyes. He's on the outside looking in at this point for me because he didn't look great against Volkan Ozmir. He has, he has definitely some holes. He called out John Jones, which is kind of weird. It was a weird call out. He moved camps. I believe he was with Joe Stevenson in California. Now he's at Team Elevation in Colorado, which I think is a good move. That's a great camp. But, you know, I don't think he looked great against Vulcan. Um, he needs to come out again and, and, and look pretty dominating to get a shot. Johnny Walker is a guy everyone's talking about. I don't know if he's ready yet. 
I think he needs to get um, an OSP, an Ova St. Proof fight. I think he needs to maybe get a Glover Teixeira, Jimmy Manawal. Get him against a vet. OSP will wrestle him or at least try to. I need to see a little more out of Johnny Walker. He's beaten some really, I mean, he's beaten some tough guys, but they're not, you know, they're not world class, right? Like uh, Justin Ledette's not a world class guy. No, he had not lost in the UFC. I think he was undefeated at heavyweight or maybe had one loss or whatever it was. But he's not a world class guy. His UFC debut against uh, Khalil Roundtree. I was actually really impressed with that because I do think Khalil Roundtree is a top dude, tough dude. Um, but we need to get Johnny Walker a little more time, I think, before we get, I think, maybe next winter. Give him two more fights. He wants to stay active. He's even calling for fucking more, you know, more minutes in there. But um, give him a little bit more time. So he's ready. So Luke Rockhold versus Jan Blahovich just got announced. Luke Rockhold. He intrigues me at 205. He's got a chin problem on him. I think we all know that. He gets rocked a little bit. But him at 205 with his top pressure and his overall skill is really interesting. I want to see how he does against John Blahovich. He's going to have a crazy speed advantage because he was fast at 85. He's going to be fast at 205. I think he doesn't need to play the stand-up game as much as he does. I think he needs to get the fight to the ground. He's got great kicks. But I've never seen anyone get up from under Luke Rockhold. His top game is so crushing. I'm really interested in that Jan Blahovic fight. Uh, I believe they're fighting in May. I think they announced June, maybe. Rocco coming off like another knee surgery. The guy's always having surgery. So that's 205 right there. So the 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 top three I'm most excited about will be Tiago Santos, Johnny Walker, and Dom Reyes. Those are the guys that I think are coming, right? Looking on the outside, it's Corey Anderson. Anthony Smith has to really prove himself. He just got the shot with John Jones. He's got to smoke Gustafson if, if he wants to get back in the conversation. So very interesting what we got going on here. At 205. So without further ado, let's get to the picks for UFC Nashville. My balls was hot. That's just a little soundbite to transition us to the fights. Okay. So that was Derek Lewis saying his balls are hot. So March 23rd, this Saturday, is going to be UFC Nashville. Wonder Boy versus Anthony Pettis. Um, not a lot of meat on these bones, boys, right? Not a lot of meat on these bones. I filled this out pretty quickly. Um, I didn't do enough research, I think, on a lot of the undercards, but you know the deal. We pick them all. We pick all every fight. I don't take a fight off. I'm picking for you guys. Okay. First fight of the night. We have Eric Shelton versus Julian or Jordan Espinoza. Espinoza was a two-time Dana White contender series uh guy. He won his first time, didn't get a contract, went and took a fight elsewhere, came back. Got a finish. Got the contract, I believe. Um, tough guy. Eric Shelton's a guy that I actually like. I, I, I think he's got some underrated skill. I think he's talented. I think he's going to um, be a nice little addition to um, the 35ers, the 135ers. Um, he's, he's, he's hard to beat. He's, he's got an interesting game to him. Espinosa's kind of one way. He's a wrestler. He's a grinder. He gets in your face. He... It's gonna take you down. I think it's gonna be this is gonna be a really close fight. The line's pretty close. Eric Shelton is a minus one ninety, and uh, Espinosa is a plus one sixty. There is definitely some value on the underdog here. I think if you're gonna make an underdog pick on the undercard, this would be it because I think this is gonna be a toss up. However, I'm taking Eric Shelton. I think he'll get it done by decision probably. I think he just has a little more well rounded game. Next up, we got Chris Gutierrez versus Ryan McDonald. Gutierrez is a minus one sixty five favorite, and McDonald is a plus one forty underdog. Um, do not know much about either of these guys. I just don't do it. I believe, all right, you know what? I'll do my due diligence. I'll pull up the card. We'll, we'll get into it, boys. Okay. So I believe Gutierrez came off the contender series. The ultimate fighter. Nope. No. Okay. So he lost to Hani Barcelos the last time he fought and he's fighting Ryan McDonald, who is 10 and 0, but he's more of a... Yeah, he's never fought in a UFC debut. Um, short and sweet here, guys, because I'm my wife's making tacos and, and I gotta go. Uh, Chris Gutierrez is gonna win that fight. I'll take the favorites. McDonald ten and zero UFC debut. I don't I don't love it, but I mean, if you want to make some action on that, you can. I would much rather the have you guys place the Espinosa bet. Next up, Random Marcos versus Angela Hill. Random Marcos is a plus one thirty underdog. Angela Hill is a minus 150. As much as I love Angela Hill on Twitter, and I think she's funny, and I think she's kind of hot, 
and she's got a lot going for her, and I think she's talented. I think Random Marcos is going to win this. This is a live under for you. Random Marcos is as tough as they come, loses a lot of split decisions, but she's a grinder. She's in your face. Angela Hill is not the best grappler in the world, so I've seen Random Marcos win in that fight. Next up, we got Alexa Davis, who was a minus 180, versus Jennifer Maya, who was a plus 150. Um, I almost took Maya in this fight, but I like Alexa Davis. I think she is putting it together right now. I think she's uh, Alexi Davis. Excuse me. Ale- I think she's, um, you know, she's coming off a loss over Kane Cookagen. But before that, she beat Liz Carmouche, who's, who's a tough out. So I like Alexi Davis in that fight. Marlon Vera, who's a minus 165 favorite versus Frankie Sines, who's a plus 145 underdog. I've never been blown away by Marlon Vera and his wins, and I've been blown away by Frankie Sines and his losses. That should tell you everything about this fight. I like Sines as the under. That's an underdog pick right there. I mean, I'm rusty, guys. Sorry. That's the underdog pick. Frankie Sines, I think he's tough and he's durable. I think if, if his chin holds up, I think he can get Marlon Vera in a real dirty, scrappy fight and win a decision. Um, I'm not super confident in that pick, I'm going to be honest with you, because I do think Vera is a little underrated, but Sines is a... Pitbull, this fight got canceled a month ago because Vera got sick, so they they, they kept it on the books. And uh, I like Sines as a, as a nice little underdog pick there. Next up, you got Bobby Moffitt, who was a minus 165 favorite versus Bryce Mitchell, who was plus 145. Bryce Mitchell tore a scrotum with a drill, if you remember that, the bloody boxer scene, which right now is making my stomach hurt even thinking about it. Bobby Moffitt coming off the contender series. Durable dude, good grappler, strong for the division. Um... I've never been blown away by Bryce Mitchell. He's 10-0, and 0, um, but I like Bobby Moffat in that fight. I think he's going to probably finish Bryce Mitchell there. Uh, next up, you got Macy Barber, who's minus 225 favorite, versus J.D. Aldridge, who is plus 185. Underdog, Macy Barber is claiming she's the next big thing. She's going to be bigger than Connor. She's going to be bigger than Ronda. Um, I like her confidence. I like her skill. I think she's very talented, very athletic, um, moves forward, tons of pressure, tons of ways to finish. J.J. Aldridge really surprised me. She trains with the champ, Rose Namajunas. She's up in weight now. She's fighting a flyweight. So um, this could be a competitive fight, but I, th- I think Macy's going to get it done. I, I think she's uh, she's super talented. Next up, you got Luis Pena, who's minus 290 favorite versus Steven Peterson, who's a plus 245 underdog. I'm not blown away by Pena. A lot of people are. I know he's at AK. I know he's getting better. He's dropping down a featherweight from lightweight. Um, Steven Peterson, I do not know a ton about. Um, I'm going to pick Pena blind because there's a lot of heat and hype around him. Um, and he's a huge, huge uh, favorite. I wouldn't bet it because, again, I, I just don't know enough about these guys. But I do like the Pena fight um, IQ. I like him at AKA. I think he's a smart fighter. I think he would have probably won the contender series, or excuse me, the ultimate fighter if he won. But it is what it is. So I, I like Pena. Next up, you got Juicy A Formiga. He's a plus 155 underdog versus... Dever, Deverson Figueredo, who's a minus 175 favorite. Toughest fight to pick on the card, in my opinion. Both guys can do a lot. Figueredo is a good striker, but he's been uh, grappling a lot lately. I don't think he wants anything to do with Formiga on the ground. I think he's going to keep this fight standing. My voice just cracked right there. I think he'll keep this fight standing. I think he'll, he'll hit Formiga whenever he wants. He'll piece him up. And uh, I like Figueredo winning that fight. Uh, probably by decision, maybe even a stoppage, late stoppage. Next up, we got John McDessey versus Jesus Pinedo. McDessey's a plus minus 275 favorite. Pedro is a plus 235 underdog. I do not know much about Jesus Pedro. Uh, John McDessey, tough out, tough striker. I'm going to pick McDessey. Come in event, Curtis Blades versus Justin Willis. Blades is a minus 300 favorite. Willis is a plus 230. I like Willis as the under here. Um, I'm going to pick Blades though, but I like the number next to Willis's name. I think if you're good to go under, um, big under for this card, I think Willis is it. Blades, again, tough dude. I think he's going to be able to overpower Willis. Willis is a lot more athletic than people can give him credit for. He does have some power in his hands. But the size, I think the size is going to come into play. Willis has been talking a lot. I think um, I think Curtis Blades' cardio is better. I think his overall game is better. He's hittable. So as long as he doesn't get cracked too much and he gets in there and he gets his fight to the ground, I think Blades is going to win. But I think Willis is an active, active dog here. I like the number next to his name. Then next up, you got Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who's minus 450 favorite, versus Anthony Pettis, who's plus 325 underdog. This fight makes no sense to me. It's a really weird thing that happened on Twitter. I think they needed to get these guys a fight, so they're like, let's fight each other, whatever. If you guys want to fight each other, cool, fine. Um, I like Wonderboy big in this fight. Um, I know a lot of people are on the Pettis bandwagon right now. They're liking him at this fight because it's not going to go to the ground. However, Pettis, I think... 
striking has become a little stagnant. I don't think he's going to have the entries or the skills to really hit Thompson. I think Thompson's going to pick him apart. I think the power is going to be a big deal. I think Steven Thompson doesn't get enough credit for, for his knockout power. I think he really, truly has it. I think it's going to shock Anthony Pettis once he gets hit by Thompson, who isn't a big 170, but he can crack. And, and I think that's going to be the difference. So I like Steven Thompson, boy, by finish. And uh, I know he's a big favorite, but I would I would put all my horses on that fight. I'd put them all on that fight. So there it is. Thank you. I sneezed a couple times. I coughed a few times. Hopefully that didn't bother you too much. I know I was drinking during it. Good to be back. I feel good. Hopefully that continues. And um, I will talk to you guys next week. We'll be back regular schedule next week. There's UFC Philadelphia next week. Justin Gaethje versus Edson Barboza. We'll break that, that down that card on a pick on podcast. This is kind of a two-on-one situation. And then we'll go over uh, how awesome I did on the UFC national card. All right.